So some of you might remember this. You're saying, wait a second, have we done this before? And the answer to that is yes. And so our church is named Vertical Church, but our website is called verticalstory.com because, uh, as we'll read here in a minute, I believe that our lives, if we live them the way God created us to live them, our lives are stories unto the glory of God. We'll actually see that in Scripture here in a minute. And so we love the idea that vertical church is a community of people living godly stories that bring glory unto God or bring glory vertically. So that's kind of the idea of the, the name there, vertical church, glory unto God, uh, up vertically, or, um, or we just live our stories unto God vertically. And so this is a series that we will do annually. And uh, we'll probably change the videos and stuff like that eventually, you know, over time. But um, the idea of it is, hey, this is like our family values series. So we're taking like the core or some of the most important things of Vertical Church. And every year we'll talk about these core things. And um, it doesn't mean that they're better than others or whatever. It's just this is who we are. And so just like in your own family, um, there's just certain things in your family that are more your core values. This is who we are. And it's not that the other things are bad or that what yours is better than somebody else's values. It's just, hey, this is who we are. And so the next four weeks, so for this month, we're going to talk about this uh, our vertical story and our core values. And so one thing I want to put out there to you is uh, you may have saw it on Facebook this week. February the 22nd, we didn't put it in our announcements because I really want to hit it here. February the 22nd, we have what we're calling Kids Hope Sunday. And uh, if you're new with us, you might not know this, but last year we went on a campaign to raise some money to be able to get trained by the ministry uh, Kids Hope. And what Kids Hope is, is it's a uh, mentoring program that you go and you get trained and you get educated and uh, it's not as big of a deal as that just sounded. But uh, you go and you get equipped, is probably the better word, to be able to go into the public schools and mentor um, kids that are at risk or that have high need. And so one hour a week you get to go in and you get to, you get to help them with flashcards or shoot basketballs or help them with spelling or help them you know, just read a book or whatever. And so you don't need an education to be able to do it. Uh, but on the other hand, you do get to not only assist uh, the student, but you get to kind of help the teachers with a little bit more one-on-one -on -one time with these students. And so just this incredible opportunity as a church for us to be able to partner with Kids Hope and, uh, and be in the community and be in the schools. And because we believe uh, as a church, we should live outside of this place. Somebody say amen. What we do should exist more than just here on Sunday for an hour and a half. And so uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to connect into our schools and we're going to love and make relationships with some at-risk students. And so uh, I said that to say on Sunday, February 22nd, we're having Kids Hope Sunday. And what's really cool is Kids Hope USA, um, their headquarters is right here in Zealand. And what's crazy about that is they're a national, and you'll see that when we talk about it, they're a national ministry. And uh, so the favor that we got in that is that some of their head directors, some of their um, president, I think is one of them, is, uh, is going to be with us here that Sunday, February the 22nd, sharing about Kids Hope. And here's, here's my favor that I ask of you, is uh, some of you aren't going to be able to give an hour. Some of you aren't going to be able to do the mentorship program with your school or uh, because of your jobs or whatever. And so some of you say, well, the Kids Hope thing, that's really not for me. I can't do it. And uh, I still would love for you to be here and really support that day. Because if we all have a knowledge of Kids Hope, not only does it sort of raise the awareness of Kids Hope in our community, uh, but it also, as a church, lets us know and lets you know and be in the loop of what God's doing within our church, 
within our schools. Amen. And so if you say, well, Kids Hope, I'm not going to be able to do it. Still make your best effort to be here and hear what God's doing through Kids Hope, um, because there is opportunities that you can be involved even if you don't go to a school. Uh, what I love about the stuff is right when they started giving us our training, they opened up the book on our training and it all started with prayer. Before they ever talked about going to the schools, before they ever talked about anything, they started with, hey, you got to find prayer partners and you got to find people that. So even if you don't go to the schools and you can participate as a prayer partner, we'd just love for you to hear the vision February 22nd uh, here, here at, uh, at Vertical. So mark that on your calendar and be with us on that. And uh, it'll be a big deal. So for us, uh, that's part of one of our values is uh, ministering to the next generation. I think it's so important for us to be able to uh, reach down, but then also reach up. I think, you know, too many young generations think they know it all and they figured it all out and they don't reach up and connect with the older generations just as often as older generations say all oh, those young whippersnappers, they don't know what they're doing and they fail to reach down. But here, one of our values, we want to be a multi-generational church. We want to be a church that, that connects those two and works alongside because it takes all kinds. Somebody say amen. And so uh, Kids Hope is just a big part of that here as a fundamental of our church. And uh, so a thought that I had this week, we were in training. It was in this, this room, and uh, we're sitting here in training. And again, Kids Hope is all about the kids. It's all about raising, uh, uh, mentoring kids who are at risk. And the biggest thing they talk about is faithfulness. You know, these kids, they're at risk and they have people in and out of their life and you need stability and you need somebody who can, can love on them and connect with them. And without getting into the sermon, I'll just kind of, or their sermon, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, without getting into their stuff, um, little things make a huge difference. Uh, they told a story about how uh, one of the mentors is out on the playground with one of his kids that he's mentoring and the kid was just going down the slide, up and down the slide, up and down the slide. But the, co the mentor was there at the end of the slide, like, hey, you did that so good. That was awesome. Oh, you. And uh, just speaking life into him and, and speaking life, speaking life. But what began to happen on the rest of the playground was all the other kids started to line up at the slide. And, and all of a sudden, the biggest thing to do on the playground was go down the slide. Was it because the slide got faster? Was it because it got, no. It's because there was life being spoken there. There was connection being made. And so um, it's all about the kids, and this thing is all about the kids. And so what's awesome about Kids Hope is it's a partnership exclusively between a church and the schools. That's just how it's designed. So we're in this training, and uh, the first day of it, they're telling us some of the legal stuff about the separation of church and state. So they have a graphic up here on our TVs, and they got a red line down the middle, and uh, they had spots all over the room where you had to walk to a certain place to answer the question. So there was like a yes here, a no here, and a maybe over here. And they, they say, you know, thinking about the line between separation of church and state, they said if a child asks you to pray for his lunch at school, at the public lunch, are you allowed to do that? Like, are you allowed to pray for that student if he, his lunch if he asked you to? And so the group all divided up, and we weren't sure, and we didn't know, and so we all divide up. And so the answer from the instructor, he says, you know, could you, since he asked, pray for him? The answer is probably yes, you probably could. He said, but as Kids Hope Ministries, which is international, and as us having sort of a key into the school, we have to decide, is it worth praying for his lunch? Is jeopardizing our program in the school worth uh, 
you know, losing all this, like praying over his lunch. Is it, is it worth jeopardizing this thing? So I'm kind of sitting here going like, okay, this is going to be interesting to watch how this plays out. And so there's about 50 other people in the room from all over. We had people from Alaska, uh, Georgia, just all over the place. And so I'm listening to everybody talk or whatever. And this one guy says, well, like real, real ego, real puff, you know, his chest out, just, well, I'll tell you what I would have done. I would have prayed for that boy's lunch and that I would have went down to the principal and I would have told him I prayed for that lunch. Okay, I get what you're doing with the boldness and standing up for Christ and I, I, I get that. Um, but I also get what you're doing with your attitude. So, so he says, I would go down to that principal and I would tell him, and the instructor says back to him, he says, hey, um, you know, the thing about that is don't you think maybe the principal would feel like you're poking at him or you know, you're trying to maybe push an agenda? And uh, he says, well, isn't the other side pushing their agenda? Shouldn't we be in there pushing our agenda as a church? Shouldn't we be in there poking and pushing? And I just sat there like with my hands in my face, just thinking like, ah, church, <laughs> like Christians. I love you and I am one and I believe in the church, but there are some times that you drive me crazy <laughs> with this stuff. So I let it go for the day. I was like, okay. And, and, and the guy had a good answer or something about, um, hey, we're not there uh, we're not there to evangelize. We're there to mentor students. We're there to love on kids. And if we love on students and love on kids the way that we're supposed to, evangelism will be happening as a product of that. Somebody say amen. So the next day, uh, we have this big board up here, and uh, there's these sticky notes, and, uh, and they're putting all these questions up on the board. And one of the practices for Kids Hope is if you send, so two things you have to do. You have to send home a permission slip to ask the parent if it's okay for you to mentor their student. So that's the first relationship made. They sign a waiver and say, yeah, my kid can partner with Kids Hope. The second one is you can send a flyer home that says, hey, are we allowed to invite your student to participate in events that we may have? So for us as a church, that would be our way to be able to invite students that we're mentoring to church or to a VBS or to our program or whatever which is a bonus. That's great. We'd love to be able to invite kids to church and all that kind of stuff. So the guy writes up on the board. He writes up on the sticky note. He writes on the thing. He says, hey, uh, I've already been screened and I've already been matched with a student and that student has already signed the first permission slip for me to mentor them. But if they don't sign the second permission slip, am I allowed to get rid of that student? And I was like, oh my gosh, did that just happen? Was that really just said? And I it just, like, right away, uh, I'm thinking, how many churches in town, not this town, I'm just saying how many churches in town have this idea of, hey, if the need in our town is not willing to come here, can I dump them? How many of our lives, we go, hey, if the need isn't willing to be just like this and just like this and just like this, can I dump them? It's really easy for us to say, oh, pastor, preach. Like, preach, you should be loving. But how many times in our situations do we get challenging situations, hard situations that we go, look, this isn't the way that I wanted it, so can I dump them? And so the problem with this kid's hope thing is like, it's not about getting people to come to your church. It's about this kid's life. Somebody say amen. And so, and so I just, again, it just got me grinding in this idea of like, 
what are we here to do as a church? Are we here to fill up a room? Are we here to let people know that their lives matter? Somebody say amen. And so when you think about vertical story and our stories being told and all this kind of stuff, uh, I want to dig into this idea as one of our core values that church is extremely important. And I believe uh, church needs to be a huge part of your life. I don't, the statistic says that uh, average Christian only goes to church two times a month. I don't think that's good enough. I don't think that it's possible for you to come only twice a month, which is about 25 times a year, when statistics say that you'll spend more time, you'll spend 30 hours a week on social media, and if all you're going to church is 25 times in a year, there's no way you're going to win the battle in your mind, right? Somebody say amen. And so I'm all for the church, and I believe in the local body, and I'm here about that. And I'm not saying, oh, we should all break up and go into little hippie house groups and just do all that stuff. I'm not saying that. Uh, and, and, and I know that's like been tried and all that kind of stuff. I believe in the local body. And I believe in the local church. And you guys can all throw stuff at me. But it's not the most important. Somebody say amen. And so, and, and, and we could discuss that. Somebody going, oh, I don't know about that. But here's the truth. Well, how did Jesus live? Come with me while I Go live life and tell stories and interact and talk of the goodness of God. That's what he went and did. Not like, hey, if I can't get them to come to my synagogue, can I not save their souls? Is that cool? Is it cool if I just skip them because they don't want to come here? It's not cool. That's, that's not cool. And, uh, and I know it's, some of you are going like, boy, he's going for it this morning. <laughs> but that's how serious I am about it. Like if, if we're going to be a people that make it more about a building or a church or an event that we go to every Sunday and we forget the real need of real lives, then, then you don't belong here because that's not who we are. Okay? Are we on the same page? Okay. So first or Second Corinthians 3.1 says this, and, and this is a place for everyone. And so you say, oh, you said you don't belong here. <laughs> this is a place for everyone. You belong here. We accept everybody. But what doesn't belong here is religious spirits who want to keep score and make it about accomplishments instead of about loving people and people's lives. Okay. 2 Corinthians 3.1 talks about this. It says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Verse 2, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. So there was all this discussion at this time of like, hey, when we go into town and we minister, like, should we be sending people ahead, saying things about us? Like, do we need business cards and flyers? And like, should we send our doctrines and faith, faith statements, all this kind of and obviously I'm pushing it a little far, but the, the conversation is like, hey, like, how do we let it be known of who we are? Where do we come from and stuff? And the idea here is, hey, like, why don't we just let the work that God has done in all of our lives speak for itself? Why don't we let our story do it for ourselves instead of our bumper stickers and our cliches that we put up on our Facebook status and all that kind of stuff? Why don't we just let our lives do the ministering and the preaching and, uh, and not worry so much about how we're going to say it or how it's going to look? Somebody say amen. Yeah. Acts 4-7. Kind of a lot of reading here, uh, but I love this idea. Acts 4-7 says, They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And you'll see what they're talking about here in a minute. Verse 8. 
Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness that we showed a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stand before you healed. So the religious people of this time were saying like, hey, but what authority did you do this? How did you, what makes you think you could do this? And saying, hey, if you're calling into question this act of kindness, this healing that took place, it was by Jesus Christ. Uh, and we just read that. It said, the stone that the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This is the part I want to zero in on. Verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could not see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. But since they, or sorry, since they could see the man who had been healed that day standing with them, there was nothing they could say. So the, the last part I want to say here is this. Here's what happens. This act of kindness, as it says, or this healing that took place through these guys who prayed and the man was healed. They show up in front of the religious leaders like, oh, what authority did you have to do this? And so they have this interaction and the end of the story here in 14 says this. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing there they could say. There was nothing they could say about it. Why? Because the story was right in front of their face. They didn't get up and start using Christianese language and all the right church words and say, thus this, and we have done this. and all. The, uh, they just said like, hey, here's the story. Here's the guy. He's healed. And then they, there was nothing they could say about it. Why? Because the fruit was there is what I'm trying to say. But as Christians, we work really, really hard at putting together our, our, our sayings and like, like how we should say it and like our whole facade instead of working hard at building the fruit or the story. I just think about, you know, uh, in a Christian life, you know, hey, I'm, today I'm going to go after God. I'm going to see God. I'm going to do this. So we get out another devotional. And we worship to worship music for another hour. And we listen to another Christian radio station. And we drive up and down these roads that have hurting people and people stuck in addiction and people stuck in very frustrating things while we're reading more, worshiping more, studying more, 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 more for me. Like more cleaning, more polishing, more shining where there's people like in the gutter, the Good Samaritan scenario, there's people laying in ditches on every side of us and we're so caught up in like, hey, I'm going to build more of this for me when it's, when it's, about, it's about others. It's about, hey, like how can we connect with the real need? Everybody's saying, boy, he's like on a tangent. He's against devotionals and he's against worship and this guy hates praying. And What's wrong with him today? That's not what I'm saying. You guys know that's not what I'm saying. But what's the point if that's what we do all day, every day, and we don't ever reach people? <laughs> okay. And so that's what it's saying here is like, hey, Let's not make it about uh, our catchphrases and all that kind of stuff. And we love that stuff. Like we value, um, we, you know, we do graphics and loving others towards God. And we build all this stuff and, and it matters. Like sort of having a, a brand, if you will, or having like a vision or that, that, all that stuff matters. But at the end of the day, if we can go through a week where we're not picking up somebody's hand or we're not encouraging somebody with our words, then we've missed it by a mile. Amen. Let our stories do the talking, not just all our Christianese babble that we get up and say. The truth is about this church and this area 
the population of Vertical Church within a 30-mile radius of Vertical Church, there's roughly 990,000 people, almost a million people in a 30-mile radius, if you're including Grand Rapids. So 30-mile radius, there's almost a million people. And 54% of those people, yes, here in West Michigan, are decidedly, meaning they've made a decision to not be connected to a church. So people say, well, Grand Rapids, Jerusalem, and Jerusalem, you know, like they make jokes that Grand Rapids is like the Jerusalem of the Jerusalem and and uh, that's still over your head, like GR, Jerusalem, get it? You get it now? <laughs> okay. So, so, oh, there's no need here. There's no need here. Like, oh, uh, listen, half a million people here have said there's something about church that I'm not interested in. And I would bet if you started talking to them, a lot of them would say, well, I've gone to church and all I saw was people polishing themselves more and more, getting more pretty, more for themselves, more for themselves. And it didn't really affect my community. If vertical church closed today, no more vertical church. Would our community even know? That's a question we have to ask ourselves every day. If you, have a, if you as a Christian left your everyday environment, would people even know that something spiritual or significant has changed in the atmosphere? That's the question we have to ask ourselves every day is, and I'm not talking about being perfect and being right and, and having the Bible memorized and giving every answer. I'm not talking about any of that kind of stuff. I'm talking about being a person who loves others, even when, you know, they don't have it all figured out. Like, I don't want to be the person who says, hey, if they don't do it just the way I want it to be done, can I dump them? Can we not participate in their life? Lives matter to God. Amen? So half a million people need Jesus. And uh, what I love about this idea of Kids Hope and other things is where this guy got it wrong was if we go into the schools and we love kids the way that we're called to love kids, then it's preaching Jesus and use words if necessary. Like let's, it's that whole saying of like, we don't have to go in there and preach the gospel, go in there and live the gospel and the kids will be evangelized. Let's show the kids how much we care. And that whole saying of people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's where we are as a church and as a, a people entering into our community, um, I love this thought. People may never read a Bible, but they'll read you. So, so preach well. Represent the Bible well. And I'm not trying to put pressure on you for how you live and how you got to be perfect. But what I'm saying is, again, I'm being redundant, but too often we say, I've read the Bible. I've done some worship. I've, I've done my devotional. I'm good. I've done it. And those are all things for you. As I say, well, no, that's for others. Yes, it's for others. Again, I know I'm like sort of being the devil's advocate here. Uh, those things are good. They empower you and they equip you to help others and reach others. All of those things are important. But it's just too bad that most of the time that's where we as Christians stop. Amen? Like who would agree? Like a lot of times we just, wait, I got this, I got this. And it's not, it's not enough. Uh, I love this. John 13, 35. By everyone... By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If what? If you love one another. If you love one another. What I love about David, the scripture says, hey, David, um, you have a heart like mine. You, you, God said about David, that guy, he gets it. He's got a heart like mine. And what it, I never thought of it this way until I was doing a little more reading on David this week, actually. And I thought about it like this. Maybe what he was also saying there, and I have some other thoughts about David, but maybe it was this too. Maybe it was because David was a person who would follow God wholeheartedly into the giant 
but he would also 100% wholeheartedly follow God or trust God or be diligent and be obedient all the way to sheep droppings. And so oftentimes in Christianity, we go, well, I've walked with the Lord for a while and I'm growing and I'm growing in God and I'm doing this. And we, and, and we grow and we get more puffed up and more puffed up. And all of a sudden we get to this elite status that say, because I've gotten here, I should only be participating in the elite stuff of God. And those people over there can do the sheep droppings and the, I can't get down and be a part of that. But Jesus noticed everybody. The scripture, tax collectors. He walks along, not only does he say like, hey, tax collectors. Here's the thing with tax collectors. Their, their voice was so void in their community. They were, like, uh, they were like the mob. People were just, oh, the tax collectors are the worst. Their testimony couldn't even hold up in court. Even if they saw a crime, they couldn't, they couldn't testify about it because they were such crooked people. And so the worst of the worst, like, oh, tax collectors. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, tax collector, come with me, come follow me, come be a part of what I'm doing. Noticing the worst of the worst. We also know the story of Zacchaeus. He's up in a tree. Jesus is with all his people ministering. He's like, hey, that guy up in the tree, you, Zacchaeus, come with me. Why? Because Jesus could be here, but he would also very often come over here and sit and feast and spend time with the hurting, not to get them over to here, like, hey, come over to church. I got to get you over to the synagogue. I got to get you to the temple. No, because he really cared about being with them there. Somebody say amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to pick up on this next week. So if you don't like it and you don't come back next week, that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll pick up on it next week because I'm really passionate about it, because I feel like um, God is tilling the ground in the heart of Vertical Church to, to live this, to live this. So we're going to take some time on it uh, this week, next week, probably the, the next week after that. But what's incredible is, aside from the schools, aside from the fact that it's another generation um, I, if we can do this, especially starting in our schools and our community and stuff, I think then it goes up. I think it sort of starts over again. I think that's how these generations start tying is uh, when we stop making it about our accomplishment list. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus, hey, I've done everything perfect and I'm rich and I got everything all put together. I've got it all just right. And Jesus says, hey, okay, you wanna come do it? You wanna, okay, go sell everything. Go get rid of all of your accomplishments that you have confidence in because you've made it about that, and I'm making it about being, hey, let's go in and notice and love people and connect, and, and of course, that's sort of my spin on that, but that's how we want to be. It's not people that say, hey, we've walked with the Lord, and look at all our accomplishments. I've done this. Let's be people that are say, like, I want to get back in there. I want to notice people. I want to love on people. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you for everyone in here. Lord, I just pray that this morning, this is the beginning of uh, hearing from you about your heart towards others. Uh, Lord, the scripture is full of the, the Good Samaritan and Jesus noticing tax collectors and all those stories that we, we've heard and we know. But God, this week, as we go forward, let us keep our eyes open to sort of the unusual or the outcast, <laughs> even as Austin shared, 
Maybe like the ugly. That's just, hey, get, get that out of the way. That doesn't belong. We want to notice. We want to be a church. We say as a church, we want to be a church that notices the unnoticed, connects with the hurting, and loves them towards God. In Jesus' name, amen.